back to the Love Your Story podcast. Today, we are talking about anger and how to deal with it. Now, anger, like all the negative, quote, negative emotions we feel, is often something we feel like we have to suppress in order to be, quote, a good person. But what happens when we suppress our feelings rather than allow and experience them? Now, I'm not advocating for zero self-control. Rather, I want to explore with you a real-life story that can show us what suppressed anger can do to us and how acceptance and allowance of our emotions helps us heal. Today, my guest is Laura Johnson. After being molested as a child, Laura was angry. Anger became her constant companion, but also her shackles. Giving herself permission to be angry changed her life and allowed her to move on once and for all. Stay tuned to hear her story and to talk to this now certified life coach as she helps us with tips and understanding for dealing with our own emotions. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. Laura, welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. Thank you. It's so good to be here with you, Lori. Do you love your story? I do. I do now. <laughs> I didn't always, but I do now. It's a process, right? It was it, it a process for me. Well, I was going to say, and I feel like it is for every person. And when we can really um, embrace that process, it can be really beautiful if we allow it to be. You know, my process was the whole reason that the Love Your Story podcast came about was because my process was so influential and made such a difference in my life and yours is also. So let's real quickly walk the path of how you got there, but we need to start with your story. So can you take us back to your childhood, who you were and the story about what happened to you? Yeah, definitely. So as a child, I was... um, I would call a vivacious child. I was very courageous, very bold. And I had an experience that I felt like changed who I was. At the time, I had family that lived in a different state and we loved being able to go and visit that family. Um, I had lots of family in this other state. We were kind of the odd ones out um, living in Utah where I live. I currently live. And we had kids swapped. So one of my cousins stayed with my family and I got to go down. And for the first time ever, you know, I was, you know, I think eight, years old at the time. And I felt so big and old being able to travel without my family, with my cousins and go down and visit all of my extended family in this other state. And so for me, that was such a a coming of age experience where I felt so old. And, and I remember, you know, when I got there, I had packed all of my favorite clothes and, and, you know, to this day, I can still remember putting on, it was a bright pink shirt and these white shorts with these bright blue flowers on them, you know, and I felt so grown up in this outfit. And I remember putting it on. I don't remember a lot of the events of that day, but I remember being really exhausted from traveling. Um, My family, my extended family had lived in a different state that was very far away. And 
Um, so we were in the car for a long time. And so I, at the time I remember my uncle saying, well, why don't you just lay down on the couch just right here? And I said, yeah, okay. Like I'm really worn out. And at one point I kind of, you know, when you start stirring a little bit and you kind of wake up and you come to, but I wasn't totally awake yet. Well, that was the state that I was in when I woke up and I realized my uncle had his hands down my pants and in my underwear. And it was, I remember, you know, as a child thinking, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like what, like, you know, even as an adult, I think all of us would be confused on, you know, what to do. And in that moment, I thought, well, if I stay asleep, I don't have to figure out exactly what to do but I'm going to keep my breathing. I remember thinking, you know, if, if my belly is, is expanded a little bit, his hand doesn't go down further. But every time I took a breath, you know, obviously we need to breathe. <laughs> every time I took a breath, his hand went further down. And I, I remember, you know, being completely paralyzed in that moment thinking, what have I done? I have done something wrong. And, you know, there's, at, at the time, I remember, you know, cousins coming in asking if I could play, him saying, you know, at the time I was sleeping, I couldn't come and play, um, you know, and I remember hearing those conversations. What I don't remember is what happened, you know, immediately after, like how we got out of that situation. But I very clearly remember how sick I was to the point where, like, they didn't know what was wrong. I was away from my family. I was scared. I became completely ill with with worry and with guilt that I had done something wrong, which, you know, as an adult makes no sense now, but as a child, like you're taught to protect your body and and clearly you've done something wrong if if you know something's happened to your body and And this uh, was the uncle that you went down to stay with. Yes, yes. And so nobody's around but just his family, his kids and his wife. Mm-hmm. And, and my other extended family. So like I, I remember being so sick that like my grandma took me to work, um, you know, and she had an office and she, I remember laying down on the ground in her office because I was completely ill over this experience, but wow. I never told anybody, you know, and I even remember sitting at my grandma's counter afterwards and, and just wanting to be home and with my mom so badly and my grandma was making ramen, you know, ramen noodles to make me feel better. But they were the beef flavor. And I remember being so <laughs> upset <laughs> that it was beef flavor ramen. Like everything was, was, like nothing was the way it was supposed to be in my childlike mind. Even to the point of the ramen noodles that I was so upset about. But I couldn't explain what had happened. I didn't have the words to explain that how I had no idea you know, how do I ever tell another person what had happened, especially when I was away from my family? At such a young age, that is a hard set of emotions to deal with. Completely. And, and I had no idea, you know, how to process all of that, you know, and I spent so long spiraling. Wow. So how long did you keep that to yourself? So it, it was a long time. And, you know, and I felt as I think about it now, 
you know, I never wrote in my journal about it. I never told anybody about it because it was a secret that I kept in. And, you know, I didn't ever feel normal because that's what kids don't talk about on the playground, you know, and I remember never wearing those clothes again. Like I couldn't even, I couldn't even look at those clothes. It's such a heartbreaking story, Lara. I'm so sorry. Thank you. And, you know, and the sad thing is, is, is I'm not the only one, you know, of this course. is the story of so many and, and being able to now openly talk about it, um, you know, it, it's a process, you know, for anybody else that's listening, you know, that's a process to be able to speak about it now. So there were multiple, you know, situations, you know, that could be, you know, other stories of other people. Um, it did come to light that, you know, I was not the only one. And, and I remember having my mom sit down and ask me, has, has anybody, and she spoke very openly, she didn't want to, you know, lead me, um, has anybody ever inappropriately touched you? Has anybody ever touched you in your private places? You know, I was a child, she was being very tender and, and loving. And, and I remember my very first thought was, oh my, my thought was like, oh my gosh, she's figured this out. Like I'm going, like I'm going to be in trouble. And nothing my parents ever taught me would have ever alluded to the fact that I would be punished but as a child, you don't understand. And, and I, I immediately denied all of it. And she said, you know, okay, but you know, if anything has happened, you know, I'm here for you. I love you. And, you know, was very, very loving in that moment. And, and I said, well, there was this one time and then I opened up. So, you know, that was one of many stories, um, how did that go when you were opened up to her? You know, a lot of that um, is blocked within my memory. I remember her being very sad. And, and I remember asking her, you know, why? Why are you asking? And she said, well, there's been other situations. You know, and then yeah, she couldn't go into a lot of details, you know, at that time. But, you know, she was dealing with a lot of other people in my family and their, sto- and their experiences. So as a mom you know, she was doing her best to know what to do, you know, going forward. But that later led to a trial. You know, mine was, like I mentioned, was one of many stories and, and you know, going to trial against your... Did you have to go to trial? Did you have to yes, testify? I did. I did wow, testify. That's a big thing for a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I think I was nine, almost 10 years old when I testified. So and, it was a couple years later, huh? Right. Yeah. You know, at the time, like I had to write down my statement, you know, trying to put into words what happened, you know, standing and having them ask you questions and you're so nervous and you don't really know if you're answering right. And, and I remember seeing my cousins there and that was probably the most, you know, difficult part for me and for my aunt, um, my, my, my dad's sister, you know, like I love this, these these people more than anything. And what I'm saying is hurting them. You know, this was my childlike mindset. What I'm saying is hurting them and it's hurting the family and the the reality that they have. And that was very, very challenging for me. Um, It would be for anybody. I think no matter what age you were. You're right. Right. And, you know, afterwards, and I don't remember a lot of the trial, um, he was later sentenced um, to prison and um, he eventually died in prison, you know, a few years ago. He, he won't, he never came up for parole or anything. Um, 
but he would, I remember coming out into the hall after the verdict and feeling so happy and seeing his son crumple to the ground in tears because his father was being sent away forever. And at that moment, thinking my voice did that to him, that was one of the most challenging parts is, is realizing it wasn't me. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't my voice. But that took me a lot of years to before I really understood that that my voice didn't harm my cousin. My voice helped so many others. So how did you come to that understanding? Because I think so much when we're dealing with sexual abuse, that so often there are these exact feelings you're talking about, the the guilt, the insurance, especially with small children, and coming to a place where you understand the importance of speaking out, where you can find the courage to do it. And also you make such an excellent point about realizing that the pain that their actions cause are not your doing because you out them, you know? I mean, yeah. that's a, that's an important thing for people to understand when they're prosecuting someone who has abused them. So where in your story did you, when did you decide that you needed to get personal help in working through it and the way that it affected you? Yeah, that's, you know, a really great question. Um, you know, my family, there was a lot of hurt in my family for a long time. Um, and it wasn't openly spoken about because there was so much pain. So for me, it wasn't until, you know, my adult years that I, I understood the effect that it was still having on me. You know, when I was younger, I grew up in a very Christian household. And so part of that was going to church regularly. And when I was at church and learning about Jesus Christ, we were always taught to forgive and forget in the classroom and everything happens for a reason. And, you know, so many of those little nuances that can really help a lot of people. But for me, that kept me spiraling and in so much pain for so long. You know, I thought that because I couldn't be like Jesus in this way, that I didn't have worth. You know, and I beat myself mm. up that, you know, instead of instead of being able to to embrace this experience, I thought there was something wrong with me that that if I truly did believe in Jesus Christ, then I could let this go, that I could be healed in this one way. And and as a result of that, I, I pushed so many people away in my life. You know, I I kept a, a fortress of protection, I call it, around me. Like I didn't like people in my bubble physically or emotionally. Um, you know, I really didn't open up to a lot of people. And because of that, you know, I, I didn't open up to my parents. I didn't open up and, and let others know that I needed help. Um, I didn't understand that the two were correlated at the time. What a powerful thing to understand the effect that, you know, the best intentions of religion and, you know, the best teachings often have on us psychologically. That That's just an interesting concept all by itself because it's real. And, you know, yeah. and I think we all deal with it. Any, any people, well, I don't know, everybody's story is a little different, but that's not an uncommon thing, right? To have right. to to have to figure out right. those spaces between religion and belief and perfection and our humanness and the stuff we run into, all the messiness. Yes. And, and so much messiness and being able to recognize that, you know, no matter what best of intentions, you know, can always be taken in a, in a different way and we can only do our best yeah. um, in everything. 
take me to the part of the story then where you get clear that you need personal help and what that help looks like when it arrives about the anger, also about the anger. Yeah. So for me, you know, there was a lot of anger that built up for a really long time. Um, And it was always festering underneath, I felt like, you know, and I had done pretty good to function a normal life. I'd gotten married, you know, I started having children. And, you know, after I had um, my second daughter, well, my second child, my daughter, I suffered from postpartum depression very badly. And that set me spiraling for a long time. And there, it got to a point where, you know, my children really helped me see that I needed some kind of help. Um, so at that time was when I started seeing a therapist for my postpartum depression. And she was the first person that really asked me about some of these things and helped me understand uh, that my experience, you know, some of, some of the strange thinking in my experience that, you know, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my voice that harmed the people I loved. You know, those thoughts that I had right there weren't reality. Those were just thoughts that I had. And she created so, she helped me understand my awareness around all of that. And I was so grateful for that because for the first time I realized that I wasn't my thoughts and nobody had ever told me that before. Mm -hmm. And she was such a blessing for me in that way and helped me understand that, you know, all of these thoughts that I had believed for so many years were very optional and I didn't have to keep those, but I still felt stuck for a long time. You know, I was aware of all of it, but I didn't know what to do with it. And then I could still feel the anger, you know, still festering, like I was still angry. So for me, um, you know, a couple years, you know, five or so years later, that's when I became certified as a life coach. Um, and I had an amazing trainer and teacher um, at my certification. And I remember her sh- kind of sharing, you know, a little bit about emotions and learning what to do with emotions. And and I remember getting like really mad, like, no, like I'm very upset about this. And she was the first one to point out that when I said I was really mad about this, I had a tone of, but I shouldn't be mad about this. And she helped me see, you know, in my thinking that like, I was very afraid that if I was okay about it, then it meant that I had accepted that this experience was okay. And I couldn't figure out mentally how to make those two things work. And, you know, what she taught me was that, it, it's not a matter of it shouldn't have happened. Like I still believe that, but it did happen. And the second I moved from it did happen, it allowed me to be angry about it. And she taught me how to accept my anger for what it is. It was mine to feel. It wasn't that I shouldn't be feeling it. I had every right to feel it. And she was really the first person that, that really helped me understand that on a different level. So once you understood that, How long did it take you, how long did you need to sit with that anger before you came to a place of being able to release it? It took me, you know, a lot shorter than (laughs) pushing the anger away. You know, when, when I'm pushing my anger away, it fuels and becomes stronger. But the second I was able to understand that I was angry and that I gave myself permission to feel it, it didn't take very long. You know, it was, it was a couple months where like the anger would still boil up and I would stay with it and be angry. 
And then it would slowly start to dissipate and I could move on with my day. You know, it went from thinking about this experience, you know, once every day to thinking about it every couple days to only thinking about it, you know, here and there when experiences or, you know, I'm talking with somebody and it comes up, but it doesn't have the same power over me as it once did. And that, you know, that moved much quicker than the 30 plus years, you know, before that. Right. You know, so often there is a key, just a key that needs to make sense to us and turn in our heads in order to let something go or make an adjustment or, you know, even a a, a perception that we've had for a long time. And then we get a, one new piece of information and all of a sudden it shifts everything. So often yeah. it's just one thing. And when we get that right thing, you know, it it changes. And to me, that's so interesting to watch. I don't, you know, I don't have any answers or deep thoughts about it other than it's a really beautiful thing. And when I'm stuck in a place for a long time, I just pray for that, that insight or that gift or someone, you know, like, and often it is a life coach that brings it to you or a friend or an experience, right? And yeah. now because of your experience, you can help other people in the same situation understand and learn how to sit with anger, how to yes. sit with emotion, how to um, validate all of that so that you do get to a place where it's not as powerful over you. Right. Yeah. And and that validation for ourselves, I think, is such an important thing. You know, for me, being able to say, yes, this this is my experience. This is my story. I can allow these emotions to sit with me and now I get to decide, you know, where to go from here. And all of a sudden, you know, what what consumed me for so long then became the fire and passion that I have to fuel me for the rest of my life. You know, you and I were talking before about an interview that I had on the podcast with Kristen Ulmer, who takes the same approach with fear, rather than trying to kick it out and get rid of it because it falls into that bad emotion, you know, category, quote unquote, you sit with it, you, you love it, you let it be what it is, you feel it for what it is. And instead of, you know, trying to push everything away, and it made me think of a quote by Thich Nhat Hanh that said, and this was in the heart of the Buddhist teaching and said, Quote, letting go gives us freedom, and freedom is the only condition for happiness. If, in our heart, we still cling to anything, anger, anxiety, or possessions, we cannot be free. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, that was very much my experience. Um, I, when, I, when I clung to that, it, well, for me, it was, you know, pushing the anger away. It it was like holding a beach ball under the water. It took so much of my energy and so much of my force to hold it under the water and it continually popped up and, mm. and it would consume me, you know, for days where I would send, I was spiral out. But the second I was able to really allow it to stay and it moved on, I was able to experience a much different experience in life, honestly. Um, 
I was able to do so much, like be present with my family and not go, you know, to a place where there's other adults where I'm panicked over my children at every second that something's going to happen to them. You know, all of a sudden I could show up to a party and enjoy being there while still being mindful, of course, you know, my children aren't, (laughs) but all of a sudden I wasn't completely consumed by it. You know, so much freedom came from being able to process all of that for myself and for my family. So I, you know, I keep saying I'm putting anger in quotes or fear in quotes as being like a bad emotion, but then I read that quote and it's, it's indicating that anger is a bad emotion because it keeps us from feeling peace, right? If we hold on to anything, it keeps us from feeling peace. And Um, Mark Twain said, anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured, which of course makes sense also. We know that that's also true. And that's why anger gets put in that category of being a super negative thing. So I think there's this space here where we understand that anger can be corrosive, that it can stop us from living big. But at the same time, there is a juxtaposition where we have to be allowed to feel the emotions of being human, especially when things haven't been right, especially when we've been harmed. And that part of the transitioning through those and letting it you know, flow through us and past us as we move on through our life is this sense that you're talking about of being able to accept it and feel it and not feel guilt about that, not feel like I can't feel this bad emotion, but just understanding that to stay in that space is corrosive. What are, yes. what are your thoughts about that? Yes. And, and I think as a society, we are taught how to push anger away and then it becomes erosive. Uh, it's very rare that we're taught how to actually feel something. That's not sitting down with a bucket of ice cream in your closet. You know, that's not scrolling through social media because you're mad. That is allowing the vibration of anger to exist within our body and staying in that place without bouncing to some other activity. And to me, that was the the difference in my experience that, you know, the more I pushed it away, that's when it became corrosive in my life. But when I felt it in its truest form in my body, that's when the freedom started to come. But I think, you know, personally, without anger, I don't know joy. Both have to exist in order to feel of the other. But if we're constantly pushing it away, we can't ever experience it and move on. I think that's a great point. And real quickly, as we get to the end of the program here, what steps do you suggest for others in this situation, especially as a life coach? You probably have a few steps that would be helpful. Yes, yes, definitely. You know, for me, I think of it as like the four A's, you know, the very first was awareness, like you have to first understand the thoughts that you're having that are creating the feelings you have. You know, the second is acceptance, like, this is, you know, whatever your thoughts are, these are the thoughts you have, it's okay, you can accept those for what they are, you know, and whatever feeling comes up with those thoughts. You know, the fourth one, I think is allowing, allowing the emotion to sit there. And, you know, what I teach my clients is that it's okay to have these vibrations in your body and to think of them almost like a wave of the ocean. You know, it, it comes on very strong and your brain will tell you to abort, abort, abort. 
But if you stay with it, it starts to dissipate every single time. You know, I always tease with my clients, like you can, you can have fun with your emotions. You can talk to them. You can personify them. You can have conversations and they respond. And when you stay in that space with them, that's you allowing the emotion, you know, and then from there you can advance, you get to decide, you know, now what, like, what do you want to do going forward? What are the thoughts that are going to create different feelings for you? You know, that puts you in a place of empowerment over your life. You know, so those are the four things, the awareness, acceptance, allowance, and advancing um, that I teach my clients. Thank you for sharing that. If, If any of the listeners want to work with you, how can they get in touch with you? Um, so they can go to my website, larajohnsoncoaching.com. Um, and they can also find me on Instagram, which is lara.t.johnson. And both of those ways you can contact me. Okay. And I will have her contact information in the show notes on loveyourstorypodcast.com under this episode. So you can get those links there too. Lara, in conclusion, what is one thing that you really want the audience to understand about the things we've talked about today? One, one final thought. I think the biggest thing is have self-love. You know, you know, really practice that compassion for yourself and whatever your journey you're going through right now. Um, when we judge ourselves for the feelings we have, when we judge ourselves for the experiences we've had, and that's when things get really, really hard. But if we can practice self-compassion through all of it, give ourselves that permission to go on this journey, God can teach us beautiful things through all of it, and it can become part of who you are in an empowering way. You know, I so appreciate you sharing your story. It's a very personal story and one that's fraught with, you know, a lot of hot topics, but one that people can also learn from and relate to. And I appreciate you having the bravery to share it and um, come on the podcast today. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me. All of our emotions the ones we label good and bad, are perhaps all here to teach us love. In this case, the idea of self-love being key, giving ourselves permission to feel what we feel and love ourselves through these emotions we label as negative or bad, when the key to healing is allowing space for us to feel our way through the experience without judgment of ourselves, we can move more smoothly toward and through our lives. We propel ourselves forward through the experiences that feel like roadblocks. So much easier said than done, I know, especially because this allowing may be in direct conflict with how we have been trained. We've been trained not to allow ourselves to feel bad emotions. But today's discussion is a beam of light on how we make it through with love and grace. Your challenge this week is to choose a powerful emotion that you are feeling. Something will come up this week. It always does. And instead of fighting it off or feeling bad, I want you to practice sitting with it and just letting it be with you for a bit without judgment. Ask it how long it needs to stay and notice what it may be protecting you from. Some of these insights will give you the clarity to accept with love where you are at. I want to thank you for being here today. Don't forget that you can get your copy of Life, my book, Living Intentional and Fearless Every Day, The 21 Life Connection Challenges. You can get that on Amazon and start the 21 challenges to create more self-care and more connection and more possibility in your own lives. 
or you can give it as a gift and help somebody else create those wonderful things in their lives. I would sure appreciate a review of the podcast on whatever platform that you listen. Those reviews help me to know that my work and these stories are reaching and helping others. Have a great week creating your best life story and we will see you in two weeks. Mm -hmm.